I trust that's true in your life. And I trust that you can say with great confidence, it is well with my soul. Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Once you find that passage of Scripture in your, in your Bibles, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to get there eventually. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And once you find that in your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. That way you won't have to spend a lot of time looking through and trying to find these passages of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And 1 Peter chapter 5. Here we grow. We're working on it. Because God has begun a good work in us. And he will complete that good work at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1 is a verse that we're trying to memorize together. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Let's continue to work on this verse. Let me challenge you to work on these verses, on this verse. Let's say it together. We'll start with a reference. We'll read or quote the verse. Kind of fun to see who's looking up here and who's not. And then we'll finish with the reference, all right? Here we go. Philippians 1, 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 6. Now, as we look at this verse of Scripture, we understand that God is trying to do a good work in our lives. Here in Ephesians chapter 4, we see how that is going to be accomplished. I want to read this passage of Scripture for you. I want to begin this morning with verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and I will read down through verse 16. You follow along in your copy of the Scriptures, please. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is, is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I have given you an outline of this passage of Scripture, and we are working through this outline. It's an outline that deals with growth. And we remember that he gave us gifts, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and, and teachers. We're going to look this morning at the recognition of pastors and, and teachers, and, and we're going to study that together. We have already looked at our growth we did that a couple of weeks ago, and, and how we are to grow up in him who is the head. And we celebrated the wonder of our relationship through the shed blood, blood and given body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to speak the truth in, in love. 
We'll talk about that next week. And we are to be helpers, equipping everyone within the body of Christ. So this is our outline, whole body, truth in love, and helping edify one another as we grow up in Christ. Now we've talked about servants. We've talked about how we are to share together and how we are to be servants and saints and our Savior. And these servants are recognized in the Scripture as prophets, apostles, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. And last week we looked a little bit about this pastors and teachers and we went to Acts chapter 20 and we went to 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, as you look at the shepherds and teachers, you see that they are identified as individual people and I believe they are responsibilities of the same office. Pastors and teachers, elder, presbyteros, bishops, who have been given to us so that we can build up the body of Christ. Now, this is the way I kind of break it down. The, the pastors have to do with the character. They have to do with the demeanor and character of an individual. Next slide, please, Cody. Thank you. The elder has to do with discernment and wisdom, and the bishop has to do with direction and leadership. These are responsibilities that are within the church body, that God has given so that we can properly function, all right? Now, there are several different types of church government. Let me just pause here. Connie and I, when we get home from Sunday morning, I wait for her to say something. Now, y'all know that my love gift is words of affirmation. And when she doesn't say anything, I know I'm in trouble. Well, last Sunday we got home and, and Connie says to me, boy, that was a whole lot of information. I said, yeah, but we needed that. She said, that was a whole lot of information. Well, I'm going to give you a whole lot of information here, all right? So, so bear with me because I think it's important that we understand some structure. And this is eschatology. I could use the word eschatological, but I couldn't spell it. All right, this is eschatology. This is the theology of the church, and this is how different churches structure their administration within their congregation. Now, if we're going to understand this, we need to recognize some principles. First of all, Christ is the head. Amen? Christ is the head of the church. It's not the pastors, it's not the deacons, it's not even the congregation. We have one head, and that head is Jesus Christ. The Bible is our guide. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, all scripture given by inspiration of God, profitable, right? Guide us into all truth by the Spirit, right? The Bible is our guide. The church, the local church is autonomous. That means it's independent. That means that Calvary Baptist Church here is made up of believers within the body and we make our own decisions. Now that's a Baptist distinctive, but I believe it's also a biblical truth. As you look at scripture, you discover how the letters were written to individual groups of believers. The group of believers at Ephesus, the group of believers at Galatia, the group of believers at Colossae. As you study Acts, you find different groups of believers, all right? So we would believe that the scripture teaches that the church is indeed autonomous. 
We also believe that it was the local church that appointed leadership. As you go to Acts chapter 6, you remember that there was a problem in the church and there was some complaining. That would never happen in a Baptist church. That's why I know that in Acts chapter 6, it wasn't a Baptist church. And in fact, it said there was murmuring. That would never, ever. It happened to the Israelites way back in the wilderness. It happens to us, right? And the apostles, in Acts chapter 6, gathered the people together and said, we need some help here. We're getting pulled 16 different directions, and we need to concentrate on prayer and study of the Word of God. And it says, choose out from among you seven men. And there's criteria there. Seven men who are good report, full of the Holy Spirit, that they can help us in this business. We believe that the churches appointed leadership now as you look across christendom today there are different interpretations about leadership all right not everyone would interpret leadership or eschatology the eschatological organization of the church as we do so let me give you a couple of those first of all there's the bishop authority that that would be Episcopal. Now, you may recall that the Greek word for bishop or overseer is episkopos. Do you see a connection there? Some of you go like this, will you please? Thank you, all right. Now, the Episcopalian or the episkopos organization of the church is that there is bishop authority and outside bishops, overseers, have authority over the local church. Right? There, there's a group of individuals over a group of churches, and they have the authority to tell that local church what to do. Right? There's elder rule. Do you remember what the word was for elder in the New Testament? Presbyteros. Do you see a connection here? Okay, all right. Go like this, please. All right, okay, presbyteros. And it's where an elder board makes decisions for the body. It's kind of a corporate model of decision making. You have the board of, okay? Now, we in Baptist circles have Pastor Shepherd, all right, where the autonomous congregation, remember, independent local congregations, that's what we are, makes congregational decisions, right? chooses leadership from the body, and the congregation has the final authority within the local church. This is how we structure our church, our body, congregational rule. Now, we have, instead of elders, we have pastor and deacons. Now, if you were to go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, Starting with about a verse 8, you don't have to go there, there. I'm just going to mention this. You find the qualifications for deacons. Right? So, so deacon was certainly an office of the local church. And we would translate Acts chapter 6 as the place where they chose deacons to, to help. You say, what does a deacon do? I got it right here in my constitution. Have you read your constitution recently? 
Let me tell you what a deacon does, if I can find it. Page 10. The deacons are to assist the pastor in the oversight of the spiritual interests of the church and the administration of the church ordinances and shall have general oversight of the church during the absence of the pastors. That's what they're supposed to do. Got that? Okay? And, and our guys do a great job of that. I, amen. I appreciate our men who serve with me. And we share together in the oversight of the spiritual interests of the church. That's what deacons do. You say, well, what do trustees do? I got that right here, too. It's on page 11. The trustees shall have general supervision of all church properties, buildings, lots, insurance, debts, credits, etc. And provide utilities, incidentals, and repairs on buildings and properties. They shall be responsible for the counting of all monies and keeping of accurate records of the same. So, in a nutshell, the deacons are responsible for the spiritual life of the church. The trustees are responsible for the physical stuff of the church. Let me illustrate it this way. If there's a light out in the parking lot, if you want it prayed for, talk to a deacon. If you want it fixed, find a trustee. Okay, that, that's our organizational structure. And it's important that we understand that here at Calvary Baptist Church. And I am so thankful for the men who serve as deacons and trustees. Thank you so much. If you are a deacon or a trustee, I hadn't planned to do this. This isn't even in my notes. If you're a deacon or trustee, would you stand, please, so that we can recognize you? Would you please? Deacon or trustee, stand up. Give these men a round of applause. Will you please? They do a great job. Thank you. You may be seated. God has been very good to us here at Calvary Baptist Church. Now, as you look at our church constitution, you will find that we have an organizational structure that's called the board. And that is when the deacons and the trustees meet together. We have devotions together. We have prayer together. And we talk about the oversight of the church. And then we break into deacons where we talk about ministries and we talk about spiritual things and we talk about opportunities to meet people's needs spiritually. And we break into trustees where they talk about phone systems and they talk about budgets and they talk about all that other kind of stuff. Okay, So that is our structure. Now, this morning, I want to focus on the pastor. And I've titled this message, help me out here, Cody. Who is this guy that we call our pastor? Now, it's probably a poor title. Because what I really want to look at very quickly this morning, and, and we're not going to get in a lot of depth here. What I really want to look at is, what should this guy be that we call our pastor? I am not a perfect pastor. 
Yeah, that's what Connie says too. I'm not a perfect partner. I'm not a perfect parent. I'm a pretty good G-daddy though, aren't I? Good to have our grand boys with us today. <laughs> Connie was given a pillow not too long ago that says this, if all else fails, ask me me. That's Connie. The boys have found out though, if all else fails, ask G-daddy. <laughs> He'll get it done. But what, what, what's, a, what's a pastor to be? What, what are my responsibilities? How, how am I supposed to shepherd this flock? We want to start, first of all, with the requirements. The requirements of the pastor, all right? Now, the requirements for the pastor are found in two places in the Scripture. They're found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the first seven verses, and they're found in Titus chapter 1. If you want to turn there, you can, but I have those, the qualities on the screen that I, that I want to very quickly look at, all right? Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 first. These are the qualifications of a pastor. He must be above reproach. He must be the husband of one wife. He must be sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He should manage his household well, not a recent convert, well thought of by outsiders. That's God's requirement for this office that we call shepherd or this office we call pastor, all right? Now, please, do me a favor. I told you that my love gift was words of affirmation. Don't take this list and give me a scorecard. But understand, I'm working on it. These are spiritual steps that are supposed to be in my life. Spiritual steps given to us by God in order for me to vocationally serve this body that we call Calvary Baptist Church. Titus chapter 1, let's go there. Above reproach, husband of one wife, you see some connections there. Children who are faithful, children not open to, char to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, not arrogant, not quick-tempered, not a drunkard, not violent, not greedy for gain, hospitable, lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined, hold firm the word of God. All right? Again, don't give me a scorecard, but I'm working on it. And my next spiritual steps involve these kinds of things. Because I am pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I haven't arrived yet. But I'm working on it. Do you remember how we have talked about growth? Growth is incremental take stages in our lives, and growth must be intentional in our lives. Now, I ask you, what are you working on in your life? There's a lot in God's Word that tells us where we ought to be working, right? So, these are the requirements that Scripture gives to us so that we might be the kind of person that God has called us to be. Now, what about responsibilities? Are you still in Ephesians chapter 4? Look with me at verse 12. Ephesians 4, 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. 
So here in this passage, the pastor teacher has been given the responsibilities of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The pastor's given a responsibility to build up the body of Christ, edification, growth. This is not just more people in the pews. This is next spiritual step stuff that we talk a lot about. This is progressive sanctification that we talk a lot about. This is developing the character of Christ in our lives that we talk a lot about. This is challenged and changed and conformed to Christ that we talk a lot about. That's my responsibility. Now, let me list four areas that I, that I think are very important. First of all, back up, would you please, Cody? I am the shepherd the flock of God. Do you have 1 Peter marked in your Bibles? Do you have it marked? Go there, please. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 2. Well, let me start with verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed Shepherd. Elders are to shepherd. Pastor is the word. The flock of God. What does that mean? We could go to the 23rd Psalm, could we not? Where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. It's pretty good identification of what the shepherd does there. Making me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters, restores my soul. Leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, pretty, pretty, pretty good idea what a shepherd's supposed to do. We can go to John chapter 10, where we find that the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The thief cometh but to kill and to steal and destroy. Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. That's the good shepherd. That's what shepherd, shepherds are supposed to give life. Shepherds are supposed to care for the flock. You know, sometimes caring for the flock is a lot like herding sheep. And herding sheep's a lot like herding cats. Now let me tell you something. Sheep bites sure are irritating. They won't kill you, but they'll sure sting. And my primary responsibility is to shepherd this flock. Pastor John's primary responsibility is to shepherd the flock that God has called him to, to care for, to take to places where they can grow, to provide spiritual nourishment. Which takes us to the next one. Not only is it to shepherd the flock, but it's also to protect the sheep. Hebrews says that it's the shepherd that keeps watch over souls. Uh, notice the, the sheep with the word protect. Kind of a wolf in sheep's clothing, isn't it? I love this graphic. Let me tell you something, folks. There is a lot in our culture that would devour sheep. And may I say this, in many cases, 
sheep are not the most discerning animals there ever were? Study the 23rd Psalm and what it means to make him to lie down in green pastures. The shepherd has a lot of work to make that pasture fit for the sheep. There's a lot of dangers out there. And part of my responsibility is to share the word of God, to protect the flock. It's also my responsibility to nurture. That's Ephesians chapter 4, right? Build up the flock of God. Provide a place where the word of God is available. You ever watch Chopped on television? Chopped on television is an interesting show. It begins with four chefs. And placed in front of the four chefs is a basket of mystery ingredients. And they have to prepare, beginning with an appetizer, then a main course, and a dessert, a dish out of these mystery ingredients and sometimes they are the most diverse ingredients you've ever seen in your life one of my responsibilities is to prepare a meal i go to the word of god and i find the ingredients and i and i try to put them together in such a way that they are palatable and practical for your lives. Now, I also want you to know that on Sunday, how many of you remember the days when we used to have an invitation and ask people to come forward? Boy, some of you don't have very good memories. Remember those days? Why did we do that? Because it was a demonstration of what God was doing in somebody's life, right? Maybe they wanted to come forward for salvation. Maybe they wanted to dedication. Maybe they wanted to... We knew their commitment, just a variety, some, a demonstration of what God, I want you to know that I'm the first person that walks forward every morning. And if God has not done something in my life over the past six days, I have no business being up here trying to give you something that would allow God to do something in your life. I want you to know I take that very seriously. Nurture the sheep. And lastly, lead the sheep. We've been to 1 Peter 5. We'll get back there in a minute. Where it says, shepherd the flock of God. My job is to provide spiritual leadership for the people here at Calvary Baptist Church. Now again, please don't give me a report card. Although, If there is an area that I can help you in or that you think you can help me in, let's talk, okay? Because I'm still growing. I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to be the person God wants me to be. Now, how does all this happen? Go to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, please. 2 Timothy chapter 4. First one, 
I charge you, the you is Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy, I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. King James Doctrine. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into mists. Myths. As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Remember apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors? Remember that? Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. What am I supposed to do? Preach the word. Preach the word. God says it, that settles it. And we all ought to believe it. And how then is that done? Reprove. Refute error. Point out sin. Call to repentance. Rebuke. Bring to conviction. Remind people of their personal responsibility as you stand before God. Exhort. Challenge. Put me forth. Give them a pep talk. Build them up. Why? For the time's coming. The time is coming. Verse 3. When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They will turn away from listening to truth and wander into myths. That reflects the day and age in which we live. I love pastoring. I believe God has called me to be a vocational service servant of his. Let me tell you, it's getting tougher and tougher. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody say, I just didn't feel real good when I left church Sunday morning. See anything in there about feeling real good? Now, I should not beat you up with the Bible, and I hope I don't. I should not spear you with the scriptures, and I hope I don't. But people who want to feel good have itching ears, and they're just looking somebody to float their own boat, strike their own fancy. There are a lot of churches that try to do that. It's not what the Word says. Every once in a while, I have somebody leave and then say, I just didn't get anything out of that morning service. 
Do you see anything in that passage of Scripture where it's my job to get you, some, get you to get something? It's the Holy Spirit's job, right? Each one of us should be sensitive enough to the Spirit, not grieving Him and not quenching Him, allowing Him to work in our lives. We live in a day and age in which there are Christians, there are those who would identify themselves as Christians that are part of every social issue in our country. It's not about our social issues, it's about what the scripture says. Amen? It's not about being culturally correct. It's about being conformed to Christ. Amen? It's not about feeling good. It's about facing what the Scripture says and responding to it. I went to a blog this past week. The blog is entitled, Tough Questions of the Church. It said this. All Christian leaders are first servants. After Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, an act of the humblest service, he taught us to follow his example. Leaders are to be motivated by the desire to serve Christ and his people, not by personal ambition. When those called to Christian leadership stand one day before Jesus in judgment, he will not examine their credentials, their achievements, or their titles. He will examine their towels. He will examine their towels. How well did they wash people's feet? First Peter chapter 5. So I exhort the elders among you, verse 1, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Pastor, shepherd, the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown. That's my goal. That's what I want to happen. 
one day I will stand before the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ himself, and give an account. And it's not going to be about how I had strong leadership. (laughs) It's not going to be about how much financial gain I received. It's not going to be about how the deacons did just what I wanted them to do. It's going to be about my towel. And one day that's going to happen in my life. And I want you to know I take that very seriously. There's a little chorus we sing. And this is a chorus that drives me. And it says simply this, keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. Keep me true, Lord Jesus, keep me true. There's a race that must be run. There's a victory to be won. Every hour, by thy power, keep me true. Let's stand together as we sing.